Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 192 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always, and we're here with you today to finish off the South Divisions in our Draft Recap Series. And like their AFC counterparts, the NFC South had two playoff teams and two well below 500, with one of those playoff teams being the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who also just so happened to return every single one of their 22 starters from that team. I can't remember the last time that happened with any team, let alone a Super Bowl champion. Tony, anything stand out to you in this division? This division probably had a lot of surprises or more surprises than many of the other divisions. Some were not that major, minor surprises, and there were some major surprises as we'll talk about. We will talk about that in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Not a ton of interesting football bets to make that we haven't already covered here, but there is certainly sports action all over the landscape. The NBA and NHL's playoffs are still moving along, along with a baseball season. And if you're a New York Knicks fan, I mean, are you betting that uh, their season is going to end tonight, this night being Wednesday night, as Chris and I tape this podcast? Well, it looks like the odds are Knicks favored by one and a half points. So people are betting that the Knicks will extend the series to six games. And you can head over to the website, betonline.ag, if you want to place a bet on Knicks Hawks or anything else. You can also use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Now, start with a team that hasn't picked in the top five of the draft in a while, a team that generally ends up in contention most years. Last year was obviously an exception here, and that is the Atlanta Falcons ending up with the number four overall pick. Lots of talk about whether they should draft a quarterback with Matt Ryan aging, but they selected the best player at that spot, Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. And, I mean, if there isn't enough that we haven't already said, about Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's essentially a wide receiver who plays the tight end position. Uh, he's a passable blocker, so he's not a complete zero if you have him in line, but realistically, you're going to have him split out into the slot. You're going to have him occasionally out wide. You will use him in line too, but the reality is he is a receiver. He is another weapon for the aforementioned Matt Ryan, along with Julio Jones, who actually is probably soon to be out of Atlanta. So it'll probably be just Pitts and Calvin Ridley, which still is a very good top two targets. I mean, the reality with Pitts is, I mean, you watch his Alabama film and he dominates Patrick Sertan, who went ninth overall. So Pitts goes five picks before him. Sertan was the second corner off the board. And that's a tight end against a corner. So the reality here is that Kyle Pitts is unlike any tight end that we have seen come out. I mean, at least in my lifetime, uh, you know, I'm not sure how Tony feels about that statement relating to him, but I mean, Kyle Pitts, definitely a smash spot here in terms of just a great pick, a, a guy who's going to fortify that tight end position for Atlanta for a long, long time. Tony, do you like the pick? Do you think they should have considered quarterback a little more, maybe a trade down? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I would have liked to see them consider a trade down and they may have, I don't know what the offers were. I don't know that there were any offers 
I'm sure things were talked about. They, they settled on Pitts, who is really the tight end version of Trevor Lawrence in this year's draft. I mean, he is absolutely a franchise player. As I said time and time again, people concentrate on what he did on the field. I concentrated on who he did it against, whether it be Patrick Sertain in the Alabama SEC title game, whether it be uh, J.C. Horn against South Carolina, whether it be against those three terrific defensive backs in Georgia. I mean, the guy is a is a big time talent. I don't buy into the belief that you you don't take a quarter uh, a tight end in the top five selections because of the position. This guy is special in in every way, shape, or form. You know, with a new regime, a new general manager, new head coach, I thought a quarterback was a possibility, especially if they traded down. I just don't know that they got the offer that they wanted. Now, in round two. The Falcons went with another nice pick, one of our favorites on the show, Richie Grant, safety out of Central Florida. Yeah, he can play both the run and the pass. Sure, he's a little small, may not be the fastest guy in the world, but plenty of athleticism, plenty of ball skills, and just a really good football player overall. 28 picks later at the beginning of round three, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan was the selection. And now Mayfield is a guy he can line up at tackle. He can line up at guard. He's got that kind of versatility. Um, You know, he opted out initially, came back. For the season still doesn't have a ton of experience but he's got really good size he's a good athlete he can excel in both the run and the pass game right now atlanta has him listed as a guard on the depth chart so it'll be interesting to see if that holds tony what do you think of these two selections love the pick of, of richie grant uh, you know he's been one of the favorites of this show uh, went basically we had talked about him, how he was getting late first round grades he went early second round he is a complete safety and Atlanta is one of those teams that have consistently been looking for safeties in the draft literally the past half dozen years, so they finally got one. I think Jalen Mayfield could be a bargain where he was selected in round three. A lot of people, including myself, thought he was first-round talent early in the going. He had some bad interviews, did not work out that well, only played three games last season, and really uh, wasn't that great in those three games. But again, I mean, you're looking at a guy with a high upside that if you can get Jalen Mayfield back to where he was in 2019 and build upon that, you really got something. Now, six picks on the third day for Atlanta, two in the fourth round, San Diego State cornerback Darren Hall and Stanford center Drew Dahlman. In the fifth round, they had three selections, Texas defensive lineman Taquan Graham, Notre Dame defensive end Ade Ogundeji, and Boise State cornerback Avery Williams. And then in round six, Arizona State wide receiver Frank Darby, uh, Darren Hall is a nice pick here, a guy who showed pretty well at the Senior Bowl. Good guys, good ball skills. You know, he's not the fastest guy. Um, you know, you might not want him in man-to-man coverage, but a good player, a guy who should help out the Falcon secondary. Drew Dahlman, uh, kind of like a, a mobile type of center who's going to get out, um, you know, can kind of work in his own blocking system. Not a very powerful blocker. He's not going to maul you against the run, but pretty good athlete. Then in the fifth round, the Avery Williams pick, I thought was pretty interesting. He can also double as a return specialist, really was an electric returner at Boise State. Uh, I don't remember the amount of touchdowns that he, uh, or the amount of kicks that he returned for touchdowns, but it was a lot. Um, Also a pretty decent corner as well, some good depth, and again, special teamer. But I mean, really the best value for me is Frank Darby at pick 187, the receiver out of Arizona State, a guy that didn't really have much of a 2020 campaign in terms of production, but he's got good size. He's got a pretty good athletic profile, and he's just been buried on the Arizona State depth chart. Prior year, it was Brandon Ayuk. The year before that, it was Nikhil Harry. Uh, you know, he just never really got the opportunity. And then this year, when he was set to have an opportunity, obviously everything uh, hit with the Pac-12 limiting their schedule. I believe he dealt with an injury as well. So just a lot of bad luck, but 
in the end, that's why he's a six round pick here. And it could end up being a real good six round pick for Atlanta. Love Darby. I mean, there were injury issues last year, as you pointed out. Uh, he showed flashes. You, you got a six round receiver with a, a large amount of upside. As you said at the beginning, Julio Jones may be on his way out. Granted, Frank Darby is no Julio Jones, but you know, if you trade Julio Jones, you're going to need another receiver to add to the depth chart. I absolutely think Darby has the ability to make an active roster. Avery Williams was a bit of a surprise pick, but he was selected as much for his uh, special team skill, his return ability as he was for his cornerback skills. A little bit of a smaller guy who shows some ball skills, but he absolutely impacts the game as a return specialist. The two defensive linemen, I think, will add uh, some depth. I think Graham has a, the chance to eventually develop into a starter at the defensive tackle position. Dolman, I was slightly surprised he went as early as he did. He is a terrific zone-blocking uh, center, but he's got to get stronger because if you watch the film at times, he's just absolutely annihilated at the point of attack by opponents. So he's going to have to add some bulk and keep his agility. I'm glad to see Darren Hall get selected as early as he was. I was kind of uh, quivering back and forth as to where I was going to put him. I had him as a fourth rounder. I foolishly uh, started listening to other people. I moved him into the sixth round. You know, San Diego State has been rife with putting defensive backs, both cornerbacks and safeties, into the draft uh, or into the league and guys that don't get selected as high as many people think and guys that who get into the league never live up to expectations. I absolutely believe Hall is the type of guy that will break that string. Now, lots of undrafted free agents for Atlanta. I think like almost 20 guys they signed after the draft. Uh, some interesting players, Javian Hawkins, running back out of Louisville, a guy that we've talked about a decent amount on the show. Very explosive game-breaking back, but he's small, hasn't necessarily shown the ability to be much of a receiver at the college level. Probably a big reason that he went undrafted in terms of that lack of receiving production and obvious lack of size. Uh, Antonio Nunn, the wide receiver out of Buffalo, was an intriguing pick, a guy that might have snuck into the late rounds in a lot of scenarios, but Atlanta gets him here and just, you know, another piece to add, as Tony mentioned, in case Julio Jones does end up getting traded. Erol Thompson, the linebacker out of Mississippi State, you know, kind of an in-the-box, two-down type of linebacker, but a tough guy, can play some special teams. Uh, so that's an interesting signing and a guy that has some potential possibly to make the after your roster. And then Felipe Franks, quarterback out of Arkansas. They didn't draft the quarterback, you know, not even just at number four, they didn't draft a quarterback at all. And, you know, Felipe Franks is a guy who has a lot of tools. Uh, he's got an arm. He's got good athletic ability, formerly played at Florida before moving over to Arkansas, uh, you know, worth an undrafted flyer for sure. A guy that probably ends up on the practice squad, but maybe you develop him a little bit and he turns into a long-term backup behind whoever ends up replacing Matt Ryan. Tons and tons of guys that they selected. I'm going to talk about a couple small school guys that where we have the scouting reports over at Pro Football Network. Alani Patuatea is an undersized pass rusher from Adams State who gets a lot of pressure up the field. He's sort of a 3-4 outside linebacker or one-gap defensive end in the John Abraham mold. And uh, after he moved from the Jets to the Falcons, John Abraham had a lot of uh, success uh, in Atlanta. He's that type of player, has that type of potential, although he's not, obviously he's not uh, John Abraham. Jack Batho of South Dakota School of Mines, another guy we have a uh, scouting report on. Big, strong college left tackle who projects to the right side, may even move inside the guard. Wide body blocker, just has to improve his balance. I like the signing of Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson, if you go up the 2019 film, looks like a potential late-round pick. He's one of those 
large size safeties that they may eventually try at linebacker. Keon Smith, the Fayetteville State, the offensive lineman, a real athletic guy, someone who's got a large upside, someone who played tackle in college, could move to guard. If Smith doesn't make the active roster, I think he absolutely makes a practice squad. Now moving on here to the Carolina Panthers. And we've talked about JC Horn a little bit in terms of, you know, him not having a lot of success against Kyle Pitts. But then again, there is nobody that I can think of that has really had success against Kyle Pitts. So it's hard to knock JC Horn for that. In the end, he was the first corner selected at number eight overall. And, and he's a very, very good cornerback. I mean, definitely has a type of shutdown potential in terms of his size, in terms of his athletic ability, in terms of his ball skills. You know, everything is there for J.C. Horn to be a really, really good cornerback. Obviously, the Panthers uh, let James Bradbury go a couple off seasons ago. He's now thriving in New York as a shutdown guy. The Panthers decided that they wanted somebody else to come in and potentially play that role that, you know, if they paid James Bradbury, that he would be playing. That guy is J.C. Horn. I like this pick. I don't necessarily mind it over Patrick Sertan. Um, you know, I think those guys are real close in terms of being the number one corner. A lot of people disagree and had Sertan, you know, a decent bit ahead of Horn, but I really don't mind the pick at number eight and even over Sertan. Tony, what do you think? I, I mean, listen, I had him neck and neck. I had J.C. Horn as a top 10 player. I thought there was a chance they could go Rashawn Slater to improve the offensive line. But you know what? Their new brand new general manager, Scott Fitterer, comes from Seattle, a place that really made the large, tall, maybe large isn't the right word, the long, physical, athletic cornerbacks, the Fed in the NFL. And that's exactly what J.C. Horn is. And as I, as I said time and time again, even though I had Patrick Sertain graded slightly higher than J.C. Horn, I firmly believe that two or three years down the road, Horn could be the better of the two. Now, a few picks, starting with Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver out of LSU at pick number 59 overall. Really surprised that Marshall fell this far down the board. I know there were some injury concerns and some medicals that dropped him down. But, I mean, on film, this guy should have gone 20 to 30 picks earlier. I mean, he is the prototype. And the NFL is kind of moving away from the prototype lately as, you know, it's more about guys that can create separation. But Terrace Marshall has the speed and the ability to separate, and he has the size to win in contested situations as well. So, you know, a real nice pick here at the end of round two and a guy that probably fits right into three wide receiver sets immediately with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Two picks in the third round for Carolina. BYU offensive tackle Brady Christensen protected Zach Wilson's blind side at BYU. Definitely a better pass protector than a run blocker, but also a guy that can certainly develop into a starter solid pick here. And then Tommy Tremble, tight end out of Notre Dame, more of a developmental type of tight end in terms of, you know, the lack of production he had on the college field, but he's an excellent athlete. Uh, so if you can kind of tap into that athletic ability and make him a productive receiver, he's also a good blocker. So, I mean, this is a potential complete tight end towards the end of round three and a complete tight end with above average to good athleticism. So, you know, I thought the Panthers did really well, um, you know, not just with the J.C. Horn pick, but with these three picks on the second day as well. As far as uh, day one and day two, I think the Panthers had my favorite draft of any team in the NFL. Terrace Marshall probably should have gone earlier. Uh, terrific pass catcher, good system fit. And the one thing we know about LSU receivers is they are usually better in the NFL than they are in the college field. I absolutely love the, the selection of Brady Christensen. I actually watched Brady Christensen play recently again because I've been back in the film work doing some, uh, some of my American Athletic Conference film work. And BYU played a couple of AAC teams this year. He's athletic. He's got excellent length. He's got excellent growth potential. He's got real good footwork off the edge. 
Terrific pass protector that should become a real good uh, run blocker in time. Tommy Tremble, one, another guy who, who, like Marshall, went a little bit later than I thought. I had him as a third rounder, but I thought he'd go early third round. I thought he would be the third tight end off the board. I believe he was the fourth tight end off the board. He got a tremendous up, a lot, amount of upsides. It's sort of like Brady Christensen. Uh, you know, when we talked to Ian Book, when we interviewed him during this, uh, during the, the uh, podcast in the weeks leading up to the draft, Book, when I asked him outright about Tremble, he spoke highly of Tremble. And he said, you know, the guy's got great upside. He talked about his athleticism, what a good route runner he was, an explosive blocker. It's going to be a little bit of time before Tommy Tremble is ready to be an every down tight end in the NFL. But like Christensen, he's got a tremendous amount of upside and he could be a starter in the future. The Panthers made seven picks on the third day. We'll focus on the first three here in rounds four and five. Oklahoma State running back Chubba Hubbard at pick 126 in round four. And then two picks in the fifth round, Iowa defensive tackle Davion Nixon and Washington defensive back Keith Taylor. Now, Chubba Hubbard is a guy that, you know, a lot of people might be surprised that he fell this far. Um, if he entered the draft last season, even in a better running back class, maybe he goes a bit earlier. Definitely saw his stock drop this year. Um, definitely, I would say, saw his stock drop to where it should have been. Um, you know, I never saw him as, as a day two pick, um, you know, runs a bit too upright. He doesn't stand out really in any one area of the game. And he's not going to have to here is, you know, behind Christian McCaffrey, he's just going to be, you know, a backup here at the NFL level. And I think that's probably his ideal role in the league. Davion Nixon guy, you can play multiple positions along the defensive line. He's got good athleticism. He can also grow into his frame a little bit right now, probably more of a three technique in terms of um, penetrating the backfield, not going to hold up against blocks that well, but Again, if he adds strength and grows into his body, he is a guy that's probably going to be able to hold up against some blocks and, and really provide value on the interior. And then Keith Taylor, good size as a corner. Uh, a bit surprised to see him go in the fifth round. I thought he might have been a, a bit of a later third day type of pick. Um, not a terrible pick, but, you know, not a super athlete that has good size, but not great size. Um, you know, solid football player, but just a little surprised to see him go here. Tony, what do you think of these selections? Nixon fell because of poor interviews and there were some minor character issues. I thought he was worth a second day pick. I thought this was a major steal. Taylor, again, another long physical corner. Doesn't have great speed, but really showed well during senior bowl practices. I agree with Chuba Hubbard. I mean, he's primarily a downhill between the tackles type of runner. No outstanding uh, physical skill to his game, but he'll be real good on a depth chart. Now, four more selections for Carolina, three in round six, Alabama guard Deontay Brown, South Carolina wide receiver Shai Smith, Alabama long snapper Thomas Fletcher, and then in round seven, Kentucky defensive tackle Phil Hoskins. Uh, you know, the first two guys here are the ones that stand out to me. Deontay Brown is a guy that, you know, we talked about in the weeks leading up to the draft as, you know, a guy that was on some boards as a, a third or fourth round pick. Uh, maybe not something that we necessarily agreed with. Ends up going in round six here. Um, you know, small area type of guy on the inside. Decent value pick here. Certainly probably would not have been as a third or fourth round pick, but I think getting him in the sixth round is just fine. And then Shai Smith a smaller type of receiver, but good speed, good athletic ability can also double up as a returner as well. So he'll bring some value to the depth chart and, and could even make a little bit noise as the fourth receiver, or Hey, even maybe the third receiver next year, if Robbie Anderson leaves in free agency. Hoskins, I was surprised that he got drafted. I didn't even have a uh, scouting report on him. Shy Smith, in my opinion, could be one of the steals of the draft. I thought he was Maybe late day two, early day three. I think he is a great fit for that system. A guy who separates through his route running, 
very consistent hands, sneaky speed. The only problem is he's a little bit short. He's going to help out as a, uh, as a return specialist. Deontay Brown went basically where I thought he was going to go. I had him as a seventh rounder. He went in the sixth rounder. I mean, he's a big, massive, wide-bodied locker, probably way too big for a guy that's as young as he is. I know people were uh, jumping for joy when he lost like 30 pounds after the national championship game, and he deserves credit for that. Absolutely deserves credit for that, but he's still real, real, real large and a bit immobile for the NFL game. Uh, I'd be surprised if he makes the active roster. Now, only five undrafted free agents for Carolina. Not surprising considering the volume of picks that they have. The one name that stands out to me is Northwestern linebacker Patty Fisher, a guy that we talked about not as much this year, but we talked about him a lot last year because uh, he was getting a lot of buzz, maybe not necessarily inside the scouting community. He was getting that buzz, but he was getting a lot of buzz from media sources. You know, kind of had his stock fall this year back to, you know, where it kind of always was in terms of how scouts viewed him, uh, more of a two down defender good instincts he's a good football player uh, but just doesn't have you know great size or speed um, you know he's not a guy who stands out in coverage in any way but definitely a guy who you know profiles well as a special teamer if he makes the roster and could make an impact as a backup Tony what else besides Fisher here do you see that intrigues you for Carolina if anything maybe David Moore another wide-bodied uh, offensive lineman uh, offensive uh, guard interior guy Played well at Grambling. When he played at Grambling, Grambling uh, postponed or delayed their uh, 2020 season. Had three solid days, not great days, but had three solid days of uh, senior bowl practice. Don't know that he makes the active roster, but I think at the very least, you're looking at a guy that's going to be in the practice squad. Now move on here to the New Orleans Saints, who picked number 28 overall this year. And as the Saints tend to do, they surprised a little bit with Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. Uh, Peyton Turner is a good football player. There's a guy who had good production. Uh, he's very tall. He needs to fill in to his frame a little bit. Um, you know, you could argue that he eventually slides into defensive tackle if he fills out. If not, he's a defensive end who can hold the edge. But you have Cameron Jordan there who, despite his age, is playing at a very high level, signed for a couple more seasons. You have Marcus Davenport there. They just picked up his fifth-year option. With Davenport, the issue has really only been injuries. Uh, he was another surprise first-round pick for the Saints a couple of years ago. So, you know, Peyton Turner may be a rotational guy to begin with. Uh, but just a, a curious selection in a lot of ways for the Saints because, you know, he's a guy that may not be ready to contribute right away. They don't need him to contribute right away, but they're a team that probably wants some immediate contribution. So, you know, a lot of things kind of battling each other in terms of this pick. Tony, what do you make of it? Who knows whatever to, what, what you ever make of the, of the Saints picks? I, I, I mean, you know, a year ago, you figure with Jordan Love on the board, that's where they're going to go, get their quarterback of the future, you know, with Drew Brees at the end of his rope, they take Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, and they move him to guard, which Cesar Ruiz has, was, has, played, has been up and down. Uh, you know, they made that huge move for Marcus Davenport a few years ago. That hasn't paid off. As you said, Cameron Jordan's getting up there in age. Peyton Turner, yeah, he was getting a lot of upward momentum. I thought if he went first round, it, it could actually be to another uh, NFC South team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, with all those cornerbacks that were still available uh, to the Saints and with the need at cornerback, I, I thought that's that's the way they were going to go. I mean, to me, this is just another very strange head-scratching pick. I You know, I like Peyton Turner. Again, as I said, I, I'm going back through the film again to get ready for the 2022 draft and reviewing the 2020 film. And Peyton, you know, definitely stands out. He had three good days of senior bowl practice. 
I just thought the 21st pick was early and I just don't understand it. Uh, you know, from the Saints point of view, again, uh, you, you know, they make just another head scratching uh, selection, in my opinion. Now, two picks on day two for New Orleans, Ohio State linebacker Pete Werner at the end of the second round, then 16 picks later in the third round, Stanford cornerback Paulson Adebo filling that need that Tony mentioned a bit before. And I mean, Adebo is a guy who two years ago, you know, this was the next first round pick at corner, uh, really kind of fell off the last two years game kind of leveled out a little bit, but he's got good upside. I mean, you know, he's a guy that when he was 18, 19 years old, people thought he was going to be a first round pick. Uh, he has that kind of ability. So if he can play up to that, if he can develop a little more consistency, then he, you know, could end up being the value of a first round corner. And then, you know, it's okay that they waited until the third round to fill that need rather than doing it in the first round. Uh, Pete Werner is a guy who can play on all three downs, good instincts, not huge at the linebacker position, but plenty of size for what he needs to be to be a linebacker these days. Good instincts, uh, good athletic ability. I really like Pete Werner personally. I think he went right about where he should have went, even though I think there were a lot of people that were a bit surprised by the pick. I absolutely love the pick of Pete Werner. Now, he is a three down defender. He is a scheme versatile defender. He is a linebacker that can play several positions on the second line of defense, Weak side, you can put him at the middle linebacker. Uh, he's good against the run. He's outstanding in coverage. Again, go back and watch the 2019 film against Penn State. You watch the battles with him and and the tight end, Pat Fryermuth. I, I, I thought this, this pick was absolute knockout. I moved Warner. I foolishly moved Warner into the third round, literally a week or two before the draft. I had him as a second-round pick all along. It's great to see. You know, he's just a complete three-down defender. He's not one of those highlight reel type guys. He's a disciplined defender who's good against the run, who is outstanding in coverage. They really didn't need him to uh, blitz the quarterback there at uh, Ohio State, but I'm sure he can do that as well. Paulson Adebo, I, I mean, I guess they hope they got their cornerback. You know, like you said, 2018, he looks terrific. 2019, uh, he starts off the season by getting beaten uh, like a drum by Gabe Davis. Uh, of Central Florida, who's now making plays for the Buffalo Bills. He played a little bit better at the end of the 2019 season, sat out last year. You know, he's, a, he's an intelligent guy. He's a real athletic guy. He's got a good amount of upside, but he's got to get back to where he was in 2018 and, and build from that point on. A, a trio of picks on the third day for the Saints. Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book in round four, pick 133. Bit of a surprise, too many. No picks in the fifth round for New Orleans. They went with Kentucky tackle Landon Young at 206 in the sixth round. And then 50 picks later, South Alabama wide receiver Kawan Baker. Uh, Ian Book is a guy we talked to on the show. Go back and listen to that interview. If you do, you'll see why he went in the fourth round. Um, this is the kind of guy, I mean, you want to talk about players at the quarterback position being leaders of men. Um, Ian Book is that. Uh, he has the kind of respect from his teammates. He actually talked about coming in as a starter and, you know, his first couple of weeks and how, you know, he just wanted to come in and, and command everything and control it and, and bring a calm to the team. And he was able to do that. And his teammates responded to him. Um, that, that's something that's extremely important at the quarterback position, you know, more so than probably all the other positions combined. Uh, now the negatives on Ian book doesn't have the best arm. He's not going to stretch the field deep, uh, good athleticism, uh, can break the pocket, can, you know, do a little bit on designed runs, but you know, he's a short and intermediate passer. Um, you know, he's not going to stretch the field. He profiles as a backup, but again, with all those intangibles and the leadership qualities that I mentioned in that, you know, come through in that interview, you can see why the saints wanted him in round four, Landon Young, 
you know, more of a, a right tackle guard type of prospect. Doesn't have great athleticism, doesn't move particularly well, but good in a small area in terms of his ability as a blocker. Tony, what do you think of uh, what the Saints did on the third day? Well, you know, it's interesting with Ian Book. And again, I think Saints fans should go back and listen to our interview with him because as Chris said, it was outstanding. I think Ian Book throws the ball better than Taysom Hill, though he doesn't throw it as good as Jameis Winston. And I think Ian Book is a little bit more mobile, a little bit more nimble. Guy's going to pick up uh, yardage with his legs better than Jameis Winston, though not as good as Taysom Hill. So it's kind of interesting in, in that aspect. I, you know, it's, it's a good fit. I, I mean, he is that absolutely the type of quarterback that Sean Payton can work with. I completely agree with you. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to zip the ball down the field, although he does throw a very catchable pass. He does throw a nice ball. Um, I, I thought this was a good pick. I had heard in the weeks leading up that he was going to go much earlier. I had him as a sixth, seventh rounder. He goes in the fourth round. Good for Ian Book. I think it's a real good fit. Landon Young is a big offensive lineman, right tackle prospect who may uh, actually end up at guard. Uh, doesn't have a great upside, but he's a tough punch in the face type of guy that gets the most from his ability. The best uh, receiver at South Alabama is still on the South Alabama roster, a guy by the name of Jalen Tolbert, who gave serious consideration to entering uh, last year's draft. I was absolutely shocked that uh, Kawan Baker was selected. I think he's going to have an uphill battle to make an active roster. He's a guy who can help out as a return specialist, returning punts, but he's also a, a college receiver that was highly rated coming into the 2020 season didn't really live up to expectations and drops an inordinate amount of passes. Now, several undrafted free agents by the saints, they actually signed Syracuse cornerback Trill Williams, who would have been a very intriguing addition to the roster, but they cut him due to an injury. He is now playing for the Miami dolphins or attempting to make the Miami dolphins roster and or practice squad, uh, which really kind of takes a, a hit to the saints undrafted class. Um, you know, despite having only six picks, they had about 10 guys that they signed and, you know, the reality is none of these guys scream impact, at least to me, Tony may have a different opinion there. Uh, Dylan Soner, the tight end out of Iowa State, good blocker, you know, a th second, third tight end type of guy, you know, not going to stretch the field, is not going to get up and down the seam, um, but a good blocker who is a reliable pass catcher in the short field. Um, overall, I don't see that much to be impressed by from the UDFAs for New Orleans here. Tony, do you disagree? If there's one guy who could make it uh, from this list of UDFAs for the Saints, it would be Bryce Thompson the cornerback uh, from Tennessee. He was someone that was getting day three grades. He had some off the field issues. I don't want to say they're major off the field issues, but he got off the field issues, which scared some teams away. He's got decent size. He's got the potential to be a dime back at the next level. Uh, it, it, you know, if, if, if I'm told he's over those off the field issues, he's got a decent amount of upside. Keep an eye on him. I also like Josiah Bronson, the defensive lineman from Washington. Like him a lot. I think he could. Uh, I think he'd be a good fit for the uh, Saints system, and I think he's someone who, if he plays uh, the way he's capable of, could make uh, the roster as an eighth defensive lineman. Now we will finish the show with the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a result of that Super Bowl win, they selected number thirty-two overall in the first round, and. They selected Washington pass rusher Joe Tryon, guy who had a really big 2019 season, didn't do much before 2019, and he didn't do much after 2019 either because he opted out of the 2020 campaign. Uh, we talked about early in the season how we thought it was a pretty big mistake for Joe Tryon to opt out. 
uh, he ends up going in the first round. So, you know, maybe he could have gone higher in the first round if he comes out and repeats that season that he had in 2019. But I guess the decision sort of worked out for him. He did not get hurt because he did not play and he still ends up being a first round pick. So, you know, good for him does have really good athletic ability. Again, had that monster 2019 campaign, um, you know, needs to kind of grow into his body a little bit. He's a bit young, um, but he's going to be a three, four outside linebacker in Tampa Bay's scheme. So that probably fits him a little bit better in terms of what he's currently able to do. Obviously there's not an opening on the depth chart for him as a starter, but a guy that can come in and, and rotate behind Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett off the edge for Tampa. Well, I think this is what happens when you win the Super Bowl and then your draft is set up uh, before the first round even kicks off because you sign everybody. You bring everybody back when no one thinks you're going to be able to bring everyone back. When you do what Tampa Bay did in the month of March and April in the lead up to the draft, you can roll the dice on a guy like Joe Tryon who will eventually replace either one of your aging pass rushers or a guy like Shaq Barrett, who's going to command, you know, commanding a huge salary. I, I mean, I, I thought it was early for Joe Tryon, but you know what? The, the, the Buccaneers positioned themselves after winning the Super Bowl that they can roll the dice can take, and take a risk on a guy like Joe Tryon. And the fact is this, I think the fact he'll be playing with Vita Vea, with Jason Pierre-Paul, with Shaq Barrett is really going to help Joe Tryon a lot, really mature as a player on the field. Now, two picks on the second day for Tampa Bay with the final pick in round two. They've selected Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. And then 31 picks later at the end of the third round, Robert Hainsey, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Now, Trask is a guy who really broke out this year for Florida. And both him and Kadarius Toney really had big seasons when people may not have been expecting it coming in. Uh, you know, Trask turns himself into a late second round pick, which is really good for a guy who doesn't have a cannon arm, uh, doesn't really move well in or outside of the pocket. Um, but he's a good football player. Uh, he has enough arm to make all the throws. Uh, pretty good accuracy can lead receivers into yards after the catch, which is certainly an important trait. Um, you know, he's got a guy that he can learn from in Tom Brady, who, you know, isn't the fastest guy, doesn't have the biggest arm, although it's certainly gotten better, um, you know, from his Michigan days throughout his NFL career. Um, but I mean, Kyle Trask, he, he found the right guy to learn from in terms of what his skill set is and what his abilities are. Now, whether Tom Brady ever gives up, that starting quarterback job in Tampa after he looked completely refreshed last season. And, you know, he talks about wanting to play until he's 50 father time catches up with everybody. It's just a question of how soon it catches up with Tom Brady. And is it soon enough for Kyle Trask to get an opportunity under center for the bucks? Hainsey kind of like Liam Eikenberg, his teammate at Notre Dame, who we discussed on our AFC East show, um, you know, a guy that people thought a little more highly of than he actually went, in the draft, a lot of people thought at some points that Hainsey was, you know, a late round two, early round three pick ends up going at the end of round three, probably not even a guy that can stick at right tackle in the league. Definitely a small area type of guy, good against the run, can win in small spaces, but he's not going to move very well. He's not going to get outside. He's not going to pull. He's not going to, you know, effectively get to the second level. Um, you know, if that's what you're looking for, strictly a guy who's going to be effective against the run, that's what you've got. In Robert Hainsey, I guess it could make him a low-level starter or a valuable backup, but you know, I don't necessarily love the pick even at the end of round three. I thought the Tress pick was sensational for Tampa. When I did my first round mock, I was going to throw him in there as the last pick of round one just for the heck of it. I knew for a fact that Tampa Bay uh, really liked him a lot. I said uh, 
on Anita Mark's show right before day two began. She was asking me for, you know, some inside who may go where. I said, Kyle Trask to Tampa Bay. And it's a perfect fit. I mean, you know, you mentioned him playing behind Tom Brady, which, you know, God knows how long Tom Brady's going to play for, although he can't play for that much longer. But he's a great fit for Bruce Arians. He is the Tom Brady type of quarterback. He's a pocket passer who has shown terrific development in his game the past two years. Doesn't have a huge arm, but he's got a strong enough arm. And as he physically matures, that arm's only going to get stronger. You know, he's got it going on between the ears, which Arians is going to like. Gets to work with Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, and, and Leftwich will, a uh, former quarterback, will get the most out of him. I just thought that this was a sensational pick, uh, you know, and, and for a, a choice to, like this to be made late in the round, too. I mean, you know, this could be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers three years down the road. As far as Haynes is concerned, you know, really everyone after this, after the uh, first two selections, uh, you know, you're looking at depth players. And even those first two guys, you're looking at depth players. I mean, Hainsey is someone who can back up a right tackle, can back up a guard. I think the only positions he can't play in the offensive line are left tackle and center. Uh, so you're looking at someone who is going to be a backup and gosh forbid, you know, there's an injury, you know, probably can be a spot starter for a Tristan Wirfs or an Alex Kappa or somebody like that. Now four picks on the third day to wrap up the Bucks draft. In the fourth round, North Texas wide receiver Jalen Darden was the pick. In the fifth round, Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt. No sixth-round picks, but two in the seventh round, BYU defensive back Chris Wilcox and Houston linebacker Grant Stewart. I mean, Jalen Darden, good player. Um, you know, he's not a vertical threat from the slot. He doesn't have the size to play outside, but he's got reliable hands. He's your standard possession receiver out of the slot and underneath guy, definitely the type of guy that Tom Brady likes to pepper with targets. Just look at, you know, what Julian Edelman's career was uh, in new England with Tom Brady, decent pick in the fourth round, but it doesn't scream a ton of upside to me. KJ Britt, um, you know, a guy who profiles very well on special teams, good as a backup type of guy. He's not a three down player. He doesn't do great in coverage. He's not a very good pursuit linebacker, but can make plays in the box, a uh, good instincts and a guy who can play downhill. Chris Wilcox at BYU was never really a full-time starter there, but he's got size. He's got speed. Uh, he has a bit of an injury history as well. Uh, but if he's a guy who can put it all together, that could be a very interesting round seven pick for Tampa Bay. Tony, what do you think of what the Bucks did on the third day? You kind of teased it already saying that, uh, you know, most of their remaining picks were backups. Well, yeah, except for maybe Darden. I, I think Darden, well, he's going to be a backup, obviously. You got Chris Godwin there, Mike Evans there, and I guess Antonio Brown for another year. Uh, Darden's a guy I think will compete with uh, Justin Watson and Scott Miller for a, a, a roster spot. I think he's a little bit quicker, a little bit faster than Scott Miller. Uh, he, he's a terrific route runner that separates uh, from defenders, catches the ball very well, and he's also a real good punt returner. So if he, if he shows that in camp, uh, he'll have a chance to make the active roster. Otherwise, I could see uh, the, the Bucks cutting him and trying to bring him back to the practice squad. And then another team scooping up Jalen Darden and Darden making their active roster. KJ Britt will add some depth at linebacker if he makes the active roster. Chris Wilcox, as you said, has got a tremendous amount of upside, but really needs to put it together. Grant Stewart, uh, Mr. Irrelevant. I, you know, I, 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 from a physical standpoint, I think it would be it's a tough thing for Grant Stewart uh, to make an active roster, but I could see him uh, finding a spot as a uh, as a seventh linebacker and primarily a special teamer. 
because that's his game. I mean, he's a guy who should stand out on coverage units and back up at, at, at for one of the starting linebackers. Now Tampa signed nine free agents after the draft. Uh, you know, the main name here that stands out to me, nothing, you know, in terms of great value, uh, but Elijah Ponder, defensive tackle out of Cincinnati, guy who has a good first step on the inside, can kind of project as a three technique type of tackle. Um, definitely a practice squad type of player for Tampa, considering their roster and also kind of their defensive scheme. Um, Sedarius Hutcherson out of South Carolina, offensive lineman. Uh, you know, he's got good strength. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to get out of the second level. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to really block in motion. A good, good size, good strength, and a guy, you know, who can kind of play well on the interior and, and do some things in the run game. Uh, you know, another guy probably more destined for the practice squad. Um, you know, not, not a guy that really has much of a chance to make the active roster. I mean, not really any threats for Tampa Bay based on their roster and the guys they signed. Tony, what do you think of the guys they brought in after the draft? You know, Calvin Ashley is an interesting guy, former Auburn player, terrific size, someone who had high expectations in college, just never met them. Really, his uh, his career at Florida A&M was up and down, but he's got an excellent build. He's got next level potential. I think he's headed for the practice squad. Lawrence White of Iowa State is a guy who I liked. I had him graded coming into the season, although scouts really didn't even mention him. He's someone who I think is more of a strong safety type, special teamer, someone who is constantly around the ball, not the most athletic guy, but someone who plays smart football and is constantly producing on the field. And that's it for the 192nd episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. Uh, feel free to ask us questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll finish out our divisional reviews next week with the AFC and NFC West. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.